This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, NLL TV is a real thing. There are eight preseason games this weekend. Rule 24.1 kind of went under the radar. Danny McRae and Jamie Dowick will stop by for two great chats, and the Western Lacrosse Association names a commissioner. All that and more on OTCB. What's going on, lacrosse fans, and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud and NLL Radio. My name's Teddy Jenner. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. There's an E on the end of cross. It's what we do. We make really bad puns. Um, You might have heard me mumble one of those last few words. I didn't say the WLA names a commission. I actually said they named a commissioner. And Paul Del Monte is the man. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. We'll check in on the NLL transaction wire as teams start to pare down the rosters. Um, there weren't many major moves this weekend, uh, but there were some moves of note that we will talk about as we move on. We'll also hear from Buffalo Bandits GM Steve Dietrich as he talks about Rule 24.1 and one of the other rules that has been implemented into the 2017 season. And 24.1, when I was talking about the rule changes last week, and I said a lot of it was just, you know, verbiage changing, and most of it was. I didn't even, and even when I was reading through the rules, it didn't even click that what I read wasn't the same as what I would have read in last year's rule book. And I actually had to have it pointed out to me by somebody, and then the light bulb went off, And as I started asking some questions, it turned out to be true. And it's quite astounding to me that this didn't get a major sort of point in the National Lacrosse League press release that they sent out when they announced the rule changes. So we'll talk about 24.1 a little bit later when we hear from Steve Dietrich. He also talks about the three referee system. So we'll we'll hear from him, Uh, as mentioned Jamie Dowick, general manager, president, and owner of the Toronto Rock, will stop by. And Dan McRae of the Calgary Roughnecks, who is just one of the classiest guys in the game and a guy that I always have time for and happy to have him back on the show, so we'll hear from him. But the news of the day, and this came out Monday, um, NLL TV was announced and what the packages were going to be and how it would all work. Um, and I got, it got a lot of people excited. Um, and I will be completely upfront and honest with you. I tried quite extensively to get somebody from the National Lacrosse League, the commissioner, uh, Ashley Dabb, the CMO, anybody that would be willing to talk about this new th- NLL TV platform, um, the signing with Sports Rocket, nobody was available for comment. We're going to try. Hopefully, I was trying to get them on today. It didn't work out. Um, but we will try to get some more information. I have gotten some information. Some other people have been doing some searching around and, and asking some other questions. But uh, no real comment from the league other than the press release they sent out. Um, but here's what we can tell you. There are going to be two paid-for options that you can do. Actually, three. 
Uh, you can two seasons passes and then one per game pass. So if you want to buy and watch every single game, all you got to pay is forty dollars. It's pretty simple. If you just want, say, you're a seasons ticket holder of the Vancouver Stone, and you just want to watch all the Vancouver games, you can get all of your team's games for thirty bucks. Now, if you do a quick math, if you're just going to get one team for $30, that's 18 games. Times that by seven, no, times that by eight, and for 10 more dollars, you can have the whole league. So that's my sales pitch to go for the season's pass. Now, obviously, not everyone is a diehard junkie like me or some of the other junkies that are out there. Need their lacrosse fix all the time. And it is sometimes hard to watch, you know, if there's three Eastern games going on at the same time, it's tough to watch all three games. So maybe that's not what you want. Maybe you want to buy a season's pass for one team and you just want to buy every other game per purchase. And I think that's five bucks a game. So those are your sort of three options. Um, they will make all games available on demand. 24 hours they have been live. I originally read it as they were only going to be available for 24 hours after they were live. Um, but I read it wrong, and it's they will be available 24 hours after they have gone live. So if you miss the game, you can go back and watch it the next day, 24 hours later, and it'll be free. So there will be some free things. Um, a lot of the stuff that NLL Productions is doing... Um, uh, a lot of the videos that Tyson and, and Mia Gordon are putting out, they'll be there. Uh, a bunch of stuff that teams do on their own will probably be there. There'll be a bunch of sort of team-specific stuff and some league-specific stuff. Um, and then, of course, all the games. Now, let's get into the meat of the matter. Um, ben Mitchell, big fan of the show. Um, he's super into the uh, streaming of games. I don't have Netflix or Roku or Apple TV. I'm a cable guy. Um, I, if I watch a game, it's going to be on my computer. I don't have a cord that connects from my computer to my TV because my TV doesn't have one and my Mac doesn't have it. I'm sure someone will tell me an easy way to do that. And I know there is. I just care not to. I'm happy with my computer. But uh, Ben did some sourcing, and it looks like uh, the guys from Sports Rocket are going to make a Roku and or Apple TV channel for the National Lacrosse League. So if you have Apple TV or a Roku device... Um, you'll be able to get the NLL on your TV. I'm imagining you're still going to have to pay for the subscription to NLL TV uh, to be able to access it on those devices, but that's good for those people who are streamers um, and want to get their lacrosse fix that way, so that is good news for everybody. But the big question everybody has is the quality of these games. And that is a huge sticking point for everybody, me included, because I don't want to see a kiss cam. I don't want to see 14 replays. I don't want to see the muscle flex cam. I want to watch the game produced properly like it would be an actual TV broadcast. That's what everybody wants. And we don't know if we're going to get that. We don't know how far the league is going in these buildings to make sure that we're not watching Jumbotron feeds, um, to make sure that we're not missing action. Because as we've talked about on the show many times before, in some of these arenas that don't have dedicated TV channels, um, you get 
the Jumbotron feed, and they'll be showing replays or crowd pump-up meters while the gameplay is actually on, and you'll miss a fight, a goal, a big save, a penalty, whatever it may be, and it frustrates you. It frustrates me. I get so annoyed when I miss a goal, when I'm trying to watch a game that's an important game, and I'm having to watch whatever it may be on the Jumbotron. So we don't know how extensive this package is going to be in the terms of broadcast quality. We don't know that yet. Um, Obviously, every arena will have their own broadcast team uh, and their own dedicated feed. So, you know, you'll have to watch what you watch, um, and that's what it's going to be. So we'll keep our fingers crossed that it will be as crystal clear as we all want it to be. But um, we have to remember that not every arena has HD quality broadcasting capabilities. That's a huge issue. Um, Not every arena has the same camera angles. Not every arena has the same replay camera angles. So those are all things that, you know, if you're paying, that's why I think the price point for this is is okay. Um, but as Eric Martin said to Paul Tutka on that uh, fantastic U.S. Box article, you can't nickel and dime lacrosse fans, especially box lacrosse fans. And you can't alienate them by putting out a subpar product. You know, you're going to get fantastic quality broadcasts when you get games from the LEC, when you get games from uh, in Denver and in Calgary. Uh, the quality may not be HD, but it's I've always had great camera angles from Saskatchewan. Buffalo's good. Uh, you know, in actuality, there's only a couple barns that don't have HD, and I'm pretty sure um, the Blue Cross is getting HD. So we shouldn't really have that issue. The big issue will be jumbotrons and fan interaction videos and things like that. So if the quality is good and the quality of the actual broadcast is good, then I think throwing out $40 for, what is it, 90-some-odd games? My math is horrible right now. 100-and-some-odd games? That's that's not bad. Um, What did I read? You're paying like... Less than 50 cents a game if you buy the season's pass. Even if it's not the greatest of HD qualities, I think I could get away with 50 cents a game. So, again, we can't jump to conclusions of what this is going to be. Um, you can go to nlltv.com and you can see a bunch of the videos that have already been released from NLL Productions. Uh, They have a new one up there right now that you can go check out. Um, They have some other little things you can do. You can already sign up and get your subscription. Uh, Whether it is a team pass or seasons pass, you can do all that right now. But we won't know the full extent of everything they do until the season kicks off in a month's time. By the way, it's a month away. Today is the 29th. The first game is December 29th. That's a month, people. That is a calendar month until we have legit, full-on Battle for the Cup lacrosse. What that does mean as well is that we have preseason action this weekend. And there are eight preseason lacrosse games 
this weekend. And they're generally in two main hubs, uh, out at the LEC and out at the track. And there's a couple of games at the ILA. Nope, check that. Only one game at the track this weekend. Three at the ILA, four at the LEC Fieldhouse out in Langley. Um, I haven't seen anything on the games out at the ILA or at the track. Um, actually, the track game is open to the public. All the games at the LEC are free and open to the public as well. Um, so that's great news for lacrosse fans. You can get a great fix this weekend. Um, I talked about the schedule last week, but I'll give it to you again. Uh, you can go to NLL, NLL.com. Go to the news section. You can find this article. Um, but Saturday, there is the majority of the games um, out at the ILA. Buffalo takes on Rochester uh, at the track. Georgia and Toronto, and then New England at Buffalo is also at the ILA. Uh, that Buffalo-Rochester game is a 1 o'clock face-off on a Saturday out at the ILA, and then 7 o'clock uh, is the Georgia-Toronto game and the New England-Buffalo game. And then also Saturday out here on the West Coast, you have Calgary at Vancouver at 7, Saskatchewan at Colorado at 9, and then on Sunday, 9 a.m., Saskatchewan plays Vancouver. And then at noon, Calgary plays Colorado. Also at noon, Eastern, New England takes on Rochester at the ILA. Um, but great for lacrosse fans. Get out there. See what your team's got. There's going to be a lot of guys on most teams. Um, we're going to talk to Jamie Dowick in a bit. And when I had a chance to talk to him, I asked him, you know, what was the, how is his team going to play it? And, and he answers that question. And we might see kind of what they do, but um, as a, mirror to everybody else. Um, but in years past, we've seen teams split their groups up into halves. You know, if teams still have 35 guys on their roster, obviously they can't play everybody. And sure, some veterans will will maybe sit out or only play one of the two games. But, you know, they might have guys, some guys playing just a half. And so you might see different line combinations, different rosters throughout the games that are played. But if you can get out there, get out there and check them out because... It's here, folks. It is here. Woo! I'm not sure if you can tell my excitement, but um, whenever I get to go and watch lacrosse, I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I will be in Vancouver this weekend out at the LEC taking in all the action, so hope to see some of you fans out there checking in the games as well. Uh, reminder, they are at the Fieldhouse, not at the actual LEC arena. They're just in the back, so... Um, if there's other things going on and you can't find the cross, just drive around the back. Um, let's get to Jamie Dowick. Uh, he is the general manager, president, owner of the Toronto Rock, and he's got uh, a team in front of him that can really only go up. And uh, they had a bit of a rough go last year with all the injuries that they had. Uh, they've lost probably their two cornerstone players, their franchise history, uh, and Josh Sanderson and Colin Doyle. But they have a pretty good youth movement coming in. And they have a lot of guys ready to fight for spots. They still have some injuries, still have some guys sitting out. But I think Jamie Dowick has a group that is going to be ready to right the ship and right the wrong, as it were, and get this team back to where they all feel they believe, and that is in the hunt for the Champions Cup. He is Jamie Dowick and always joins us on the show with a smile. J.D., how are you, buddy? I'm good, dude. How are you doing? I'm very well. How's things? Things are pretty good, man. Things are pretty good. Just um, plugging away. Busy, busy, busy. I bet. Uh, how was camp this past weekend? 
Well, it was good. We only went, thank you, uh, we only went uh, for two hours there on uh, on Saturday. So, yeah. uh, you know, there wasn't a ton of stuff, but it was, uh, you know, we have good numbers out there. I thought it was, uh thought everyone showed up in, in really good shape, and I thought it was really uh, high-paced, uh, up-tempo, you know, opening day at camp. So I was pretty pleased with it from that standpoint, for sure. You guys, you guys only went once. Yeah, we only went once on Saturday for two hours. We'll go again tomorrow night for two hours. Yeah. And then uh, we'll play uh, George on Saturday night. What's the? Obviously, you know, you guys have a real benefit of being able to pra- practice midweek, especially preseason, but. What are you looking from from some of your veterans stepping up now with the loss of Doyle and Shooter? Well, I mean, yeah, we we got a lot of good leaders on our team, and uh, you know, guys that'll take over that mantle. Like I said to the team the other night, I mean, you don't replace those guys. Those guys are one of a kind leaders and one of a kind players, and you know, there's, there's not just the next Colin Doyle. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately for us, you know, we have a lot of great leaders and. You know, guys like Brody Merrill and Sandy Chapman and, you know, guys that, you know, that people don't think of like a Casey Beards. Or, mm-hmm. And then, and then you know, we got some guys, you know, a guy like Stephen Moss developed a lot of, uh, you know, leader. He's been around with us now for eight years and, yeah. and developed, you know, a bit of a leadership role. So, um, you know, we got guys that'll, that'll, that'll you know, carry on the tradition and, and be their own leaders, you know. So I'm excited about that. What's the health status of Brock? Well, Brock's still going to be a while away. I mean, yeah, I'm not exactly sure on his ex- exact date back. He his, he got his surgery performed off by our team doctor. So uh, okay. my updates on him aren't as great. Yeah. Um, I'm not expecting him back anytime soon. Okay. Uh, yeah, obviously last year was a, a, an injury-riddled season, but it uh, looks like, um, Scott Johnson and Damon Edwards were back or will be back? No, Scotty's not back. Scotty's uh, not back. No, Scotty's – I mean, Damon's back, fully cleared, ready to go, played this summer a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't have him for a game last year, so that, that's a huge welcome back because, you know, I got Damon at the at the top of our uh, D guys there. So that's a good – you know, Hickey's fully back and cleared. Um even though we won't play him here in this first game, he's yeah. uh, he's back and ready to go. So, uh, you know, exciting to get those two back for sure. Uh, how'd Latrell look in his first NLL camp? Two hours. I, I was quite impressed with Latrell. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, like I told you, I when you asked me about drafting him, and I said, mm-hmm. well, I thought we didn't love him at the combine. You know, he he showed some things that you know in that two hour span that you know are quite impressive. You guys picked up Mikey McDonald, uh, a lefty that could probably slide in there, a big body. Uh, are you expecting big things from him? Oh, I'm hopeful, man. I'm hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, he's going to get a chance here in the preseason to show us what he's got, and you know, we're going to need him to score goals and. And get to the dirty areas, and uh, you know he's battling for a job like like a lot of people are there. So, uh, you know, I'm hopeful. That's for sure. Um, 
you you came out in, in the media this or last week saying that Paul Ray will be unavailable. Um, but you did have Keenan McCardle in camp, and, and you know you had Tom Schreiber there. Is is the NLL MLL crossover gonna hamper your ability to use those guys? And that's something that NLL GMs are still concerned about. No, there's no issues. If they make our team, they'll be here. Simple yeah, as okay. that. And and how did they? I don't know. Team? People can write whatever they want. Yeah. Those guys. Those guys are both. Uh, listen, Paul's situation's a little different. Yeah. Let, let's be honest here, okay? Um, Paul's kind of situation, and with that league, is kind of one of a kind. And and you know, I knew that 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 was, you know, a, a good possibility that was going to happen. Yada yada yada. Paul mm-hmm. and I are good. You know, you read what he said. I mean, he'd love to play in our league. Absolutely. It's, just, yeah. it's not right now. Him and I have a good relationship. I'm confident that if he was ever going to play, it was going to be for me, and, and, we'll, and we'll see what happens in the future. Um, you know, Kieran and Tom, have, they bought in. They got up here on their, own, on their own last weekend. You know, they're up here right now. They're actually in town. They'll be going home for a few days, and then they'll be back in. And, and uh, you know, for guys that have probably never really stepped in a box for um, you know, they're definitely showing some things. So uh, we'll get a chance to see them here on Saturday night. They're going to get a full game in, and uh, and uh, we'll see. But there's going to be no issues, you know, if uh, they make our team, they're all in 100%. And, and you know, as far as the MLL goes, you know, we'll, we'll deal with it. And, and, and But, you know, they, they've committed to me if they make the team, and, good enough for me and uh you know i think they've already shown me that you know by the time they're spending up here and things mm-hmm. they're doing to try and pick up the game and make themselves better and and uh you know it's well you know we'll see uh two more player questions for that you go uh how's rob hellier doing is is he on track to maybe come back this year um i i don't think uh Timeline-wise, Robbie's going to be probably in the same situation as Damon uh, last year. I think, yeah. like, um, you know, we're not counting on him for this yeah. year. Okay. You know, you know, if we were to go on a playoff run and whatever, is there a chance we could see Robbie Hellier before that was all done? Yeah, I guess there is. Um, but, you know, we're not going to rush Robbie back. Robbie's. Yeah, you know the tw- a twenty-four-year-old facing my franchise, and you know he he's doing well. He's, he's coming along well, and and uh, you know if we don't see Robbie this year, we don't see Robbie this year. But you know we're going to see Robbie for many years to come. So mm-hmm. um, you know I just got to be smart about that. Uh, the, the last one is a guy that you picked up uh, back in twenty fifteen. He still has yet to play for you, and, and that's Mike Grimes, uh, one of the best sort of transition big men in the league stay at home D guy, but you know, you were hoping maybe to have him at some point. Is there any com- communication between you and Grimesy about him coming uh, back and playing at all? No, I, my understanding is Mike Grimes has no interest in playing lacrosse anymore hmm. and that he's moved on with his life. So, uh, I, you know, I, I didn't speak to him this summer shooter did, but you know, that's our understanding is that he yeah. just doesn't have any interest in playing, uh, lacrosse anymore so unfortunately for us that was a draft pick that we traded to get him that you know we lose out on but it is what it is and 
you know, there's enough guys that do want to be here, you know, yeah. and, and do want to play in this league that, you know, and I agree with you. Believe me, I, I traded for him because I wanted him here. Yeah. I know he had a lot of interest in him. I liked him a lot. You know, we we traded for him for a reason. We wanted him here. But, um, you know, I think he's, you know, removed from the game a little bit, moved on with his career. And, and I just think he's at the point where, you know, he's decided he doesn't want to come back and do that again. So yeah. it, it wasn't for lack of effort on our part. Mm. Um, you know, I don't get the impression that, you know, like to me it was if he wanted to play, it was going to be Toronto. It was just a matter of he choose to stay away. So Absolutely. Uh, it's too bad because I really did want him here. I thought he was, when we got him, I was really hopeful we'd get him. And even though it didn't happen last year, I was still hopeful we could do it again this year. But uh, I guess he's just made a decision to go another way. Um, everybody knows the skill that Sean Rogers has and what he can bring, and he'll be a game one starter for you guys. But uh, how did his former equipment teammate Jordan Magnuson look in that two-hour span? I know, short time frame, but uh, how did the rookie look? Yeah, he looked uh, – everyone, everyone looked good, man. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, most guys out there, you know, looked good as, as, for, for, for for what it was. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a lot of drills, a lot of, you know, two-on-two, five-on-five two, two, five, yeah. stuff. So – but everyone, lots of guys showed flashes. Look forward to seeing him play this week, you know. Uh, another Western guy, Reed Reynolds. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, for a guy that probably came into our camp with the least recognition by anyone, you know, uh, he definitely turned a head or two here or there. So, uh, you know, let's, let's not get too ahead of ourselves here. It was, more, like I said, one two-hour practice. But, you know, another – so so guys, guys, guys – more noticed and, uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, should should make for interesting moving forward. Uh, how do you plan to split up your team in that exhibition game against uh, Georgia? Are you going to run some guys for the full game and then maybe play some few guys half game and let some guys We're up? mostly – we're, we're going to play a few extra guys. Georgia and I have agreed to play a few extra runners. Yeah. Uh, my plan is to pretty well play uh, – we're going to play most of them the entire game and we might make one, change, one or two changes at halftime, but – um, you know, we've agreed to play a few extra runners in that game, and, and Makes sense. I'd rather play the guys for the full game than, than yeah. swapping guys in and out at half. Um, lastly, uh, the NLL came out with some of the rule changes for 2017. The big one that, you know, kind of went under the radar and kind of swept under the rug was the addition of a 17th runner. Um, obviously, that's come from the general managers and the board of governors that, you know, 16 was just putting too much pressure on teams if there was an injury or a penalty. How good is this for the game for the league to implement another runner? Well, I, I like it. I, I'm, I'm indifferent to it. I mean, I get what people are saying. I don't know. You know, and we were the guys that were injured most more than anyone. <laughs> yeah. It seems like there was a lot of games last year where we lost guys early through your playing. You know, if it was an old guy, you could be playing with five old guys instead of six and ten or you know, the extra runner will help. We don't have a lot of depth on our roster, so, yeah. um, you know, I guess it now gives teams the options to go 6-11 and 11 or 7-10. and 10. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it, it gets one more guy on the floor. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of indifferent either way. Um, you know, you're going to have luck, bad spells of injuries and, yeah. and this and that, but it is what it is, and uh, you know, I don't. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see how teams use it uh, as far as their lineup goes. Because to me, I, 
you know, like we were a six and ten team with sixteen runners. That's what we really were. Um, when we when we chose when we wanted to be, if we were healthy, that was our first option. Um, so it'll be interesting to see with the extra runner. It gives the coach the flexibility of what he wants to do there. Jamie, it's always a pleasure catching up with you, my friend. Uh, enjoy the week and good luck uh, on the weekend and I'm sure we'll see you soon. Right on, Teddy. Cheers. There is Toronto Rock general manager, president, and owner Jamie Dowick. Um, you heard the comments he made about Paul Rabel and just how it's it's not going to happen. Um, it was something that both sides wanted to make happen. And uh, Paul Rabel put out a statement. Uh, you can go to the Rock website and see the full statement and comments from Dowick on this exact incident. But um, when Toronto announced that Rabel was going to be unavailable for the year, it kind of brings up the commentary of, okay, so why, why not? And why can't guys do both? Well, in Rabel's quote, he said that he signed a two-year deal with a three-year option with the Lizards of the MLL, which includes a marketing addendum that commits him to off-season activities, which, because of the overlap, wouldn't allow him to play both. And, you know, that's going to come up time and time again with some of these MLL players. Uh, you heard him talk about the two other Americans that were in his camp, and he said, you know what, they're fully committed to being here. And if, if guys are going to fully commit um, to play NLL, and not worry about some of those other MLL commitments, then that's great. If the MLL holds them hostage become of it, because of it, that can hurt the game. But we have yet to see that happen. But, um, you know, it's unfortunate that Paul is going to be unable to do this. Um, and I still read people all over Rabel for, you know, um, saying, well, he, he signed this contract at this point in time, but then he signs the, and he gets traded to the Rock. He didn't ask to be traded to the Rock. The Rock traded for his rights and hoped that something could be done. It's not his fault. And it's not his fault that he signed a two-year deal, three-year option in the league that he's currently playing in. It's unfortunate that there are these caveats and addendums that won't allow players to do both because of all these off-floor commitments that the Pro League has them doing. So, unfortunately, no Rabel. However, the games must go on. Uh, we're going to move on to uh, Rule 24.1, uh, and then after that, we'll check in at the waiver wire. Um. I don't know how I missed this. And what even further boggles my mind is that the league didn't make more of a big deal about it. And when they announced their rule changes last week, a week ago, actually, they only really pointed out two main rule changes. And that was adding the third official on the floor and the illegal body check of Rule 70, changing the language so that you can't hit a guy... When he's down going for a loose ball, you can't just run right through him and take his head off or just blow him up out of the water. You can't do that anymore. But for me, yes, adding a third official is big. But adding another player to game day rosters is huge. And it's something that a lot of people have been asking for for quite some time. 
And we were at this point a few years ago when the league then went down to 16, and or then they went back to 17. Sorry, they went to 15 and then went up to 16. And now we're going to 17. And it's because you have to start taking the pressure off of these players. And that was the big concern is if a guy gets hurt in the middle of a game or you have a five-minute major to one of your top D guys, yes, it's punishment for not having him, but the team goes down a man, and then that makes even more stress on these guys because they're having to go out more, and we're playing them more when we should be allowing them the rests. So by adding this extra body, it will allow teams that leverage and some leniency if they do get an injury or if a guy has to sit for a major or gets kicked out of the game or whatever it may be. And so I thought that that rule needed, merited more acknowledgement by the National Lacrosse League, not only in their press release, but just in general. And I just felt that it kind of got swept under the rug and went under the radar. So, you know, there's 20-man game day rosters. Three guys will sit every game now. You're still going to, so it's going to be 17 and 2, 17 runners, two goaltenders. Um, we'll see a, teams do a bunch of different combinations, uh, whether it be 10 7, 11 6, um, 6 5 6, something. I kind of like the 6 5 6, keeps guys running in transition, keeps bodies fresh on either side of the floor. Um, but we'll have to wait and see what teams do with this extra body. Now, the question then arose is. What do teams do with that extra body? And, you know, a lot of people are worried that, oh, no, all this is going to do is allow teams to dress a goon. I don't think that's going to happen. The league has gone away from that. Uh, I don't think that's a role that's needed in our sport anymore. Um, Guys are tough enough that you don't need an enforcer out there. So they're not going to go that way. However, is it a forward? Is it a D? Is it a tranny? What are they going to do? Well, Steve Dietrich was asked this question uh, by the Buffalo media after their first camp or just before uh, their preseason started last weekend. Um, It might have been Bud Bailey who asked it, and he's an incredibly talented writer out there in Buffalo and does incredible work. So they asked him, what does he think about having a 17th runner? I like it. I do. Um, there's some things I'd like to do. I'd, le- I'd like to have that spot be reserved for a rookie or a second-year player. If this league wants to take the step that we hope it takes and it keeps expanding, you, you don't want that 17th spot filled by a 32 or 33-year-old. You want it to be a younger player. Uh, we're okay because we're playing a lot of young guys anyways, but I think we're going to expand. Let's ex- let's ex- when I say expand, I mean expand the rosters. Let's have it be a certain age of player or level of player because then that's either going to help us if, if another team comes and takes one of our other guys. Now we know that guy can step in and play. But if we're just going to continue to add 17th and it be a, just a, a strictly a face-off guy or a tough player or an older veteran, I don't know how much that helps. Um, you know, Like I said, we'll, we won't be in that spot because we're going to have a lot of young kids. But I'm hoping that the other teams will take it to the point of playing a younger player. Now there's a novel idea. Kind of thinking outside the box. And I like it. 
Um, you know, if that, and I don't know how you regulate that because what if you're already dressing, like if they say you have to have at least one guy who's under the age of 23 on your roster. You can do it. I kind of like it. Um, I think the CFL has a rule where you have to have like a certain amount of Canadians on your roster at one time. Um, So, you know, it's not something that's unprecedented. And I think it works. You know, it's going to, it would help keep teams' costs down, I guess, by ensuring that you have, say, uh, you know, a rookie or second year guy in your team. And there aren't too many teams that don't go into a season without a rookie. But I think that that sparks the conversation and the question of, you know, what do teams do? And like I said, I don't think I don't think teams will um, divert to dressing a goon. Um, it's 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 a wasted roster spot. Uh, if you're just going to have a guy sit there for 58 minutes and only have him go out for one thing. If you can get a guy that's tough and can play both ways, like a lot of guys in this league can, great. But it'll be interesting to see, um, specifically, team to team, how they go about incorporating that extra runner. Uh, the other rule, obviously, that you know got a lot of publicity and a lot of press um, is the addition of the extra official. Um, a lot of people are for it. Some people are against it. Um, and you can make positive arguments on both sides of the coin. I kind of like it. Um, just take some of the pressure off the referees. However, Steve Dietrich isn't a big fan, and here's why. See, I, I'm a big proponent of the two guys. Uh, I, it's not going to hurt, to put it to you this way. I like two only because it, it's this game is it's like the NBA. This game's so fast, you could call an interference or a penalty every shift. Another set of eyes out there, whose call is what, and you know, you called this, and this was in my area, so maybe now I'm going to call this. It's in your area. I'm not a big fan. I don't think it's going to hurt the game. Uh, I just hope that they can, and they do in the playoffs, so I hope they can mesh well Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't slow the game down because I think that's one of our strengths of our game is how fast our game is. And he's absolutely right. Our game is so great because of the speed of it, and we don't need penalties being called every shift because now we have a third referee and they feel like they have to call everything because we put three officials out there. So it's, you know, it's a two-way street. Um, More officials to call more things, but you don't want more officials calling more things because it slows the pace of the game down. I think it'll be good. I think it will go over well. Um, I think once you start, and and what I would like to see, and this obviously um, is dictated by numbers of top-level referees and guys who are qualified to be on floor and, and can call a good lacrosse game. And I know Brian Lemon is working diligently to get refs, all refs, up to speed on everything. Is kind of like you see in the National Football League is you have crews work together. If you can get three-man crews calling games together, then I think that can go a long way. Because guys will know tendencies of each other. It's like when you get to know, you know, a teammate. You know um, how he likes a pass, where he likes to shoot from, what side like generally likes to pick on, those little things. So if we can get referees working in groups, calling games 
consecutively together and build a cohesion and build some chemistry with each other, then I think this three-man crew system will be very beneficial in the long run. Um, so great comments there from Steve Dietrich. And, um, and thank you to the Buffalo Bandits for providing those comments online. But again, you know, we have to find ways to make our game better, adding another player, adding another referee. Both arguments have their pros and cons. But I think if they're executed properly, it will definitely benefit our game because adding a player helps. Adding a referee helps. Dan McCray may not like another referee because he might not be able to get away with everything that he sometimes does. I'm not saying he's a cheater. However, D guys always cheat. But he joins us on the show. He is... Uh, Kaga Roughneck, longtime defender, uh, has really made a name for himself in the National Lacrosse League as one of the most underrated defenders in the game, but just a classy, steady, stay-at-home guy, loves to run in transition and plays a really sound style of lacrosse, and he's one of the cornerstones of that Calgary Roughnecks defense that is looking to make that hurdle and get themselves back to a Champions Cup final. Dan McCray now joins us here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. It's been a while, my friend. Always good to catch up. How are you today? Awesome. Work day's done. And the gym couldn't be happier. <laughs> what are you doing for work these days? Uh, I'm, uh, I'm slinging logistics services, man. You know, I'm selling, I'm selling freight, moving oh. stuff A to B. Oh, you're a, a world traveler of sales. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> is it uh, is it is it something that uh, obviously gives you flexibility during the week to to keep up your lacrosse duties? Yeah, so far. I mean, they let me leave Thursday at noon last week, so <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I guess, uh, the performance will dictate the schedule for the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, a bit of a you know, it's the start of the year. It's it's getting on planes and traveling across the country. Uh, How's the body feeling after the first full week of camp? Surprisingly well, to be honest. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, I was uh, I was expecting to uh, you know be feeling maybe a little bit worse for wear. You know, 28 years old, one of the older guys out there. Oh come uh, on! Maybe not the fastest Wait. guy on the floor anymore. <laughs> but uh, you know, you gotta you gotta play the game, right? You gotta work smarter, not harder. These days. You are sounding like a seasoned veteran, and it's just preseason. <laughs> I've had good bets around me, you know, what can yeah, I say? That's true. That's true. School, the school of Andrew McBride, Mike Poulin, you know, <laughs> done better. Yeah. Uh, how was camp, though? Uh, it was actually, it was top-notch, man. It was awesome. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you talked to any of the Calgary guys from last year. They put us through uh, fitness testing on uh, yeah. on the Friday, and they do that out of the um, Canadian Olympic Park they have there, so. Uh, it's it's first class all the way, man. You go, you go, you get uh, a full physical done by the doctor. Uh, you get a ECG test. You see the dentist. Uh, you get your scat test, eye test. Um, uh, then you get your body fat, and then you go into the actual physical testing. Uh, yeah. You're running on the treadmill, and they're taking like a blood sample out of your finger, kind of like the diabetes test, testing for your like lactic acid. You're running on the track with uh, lasers measuring your speed, and then there's uh, uh, Olympic gold medalists working out in the same gym as you. So it's pretty wild when that's all going on. 
But, yeah, it's uh, come a, it's come a long way from just your standard beep test and bench press drills. Exactly, and like yeah, and that that wasn't all that long ago. No, so yeah, um, it, it feels pretty cool. You know, you feel, really feel like a like a professional. And looking at some of the rookies coming in, like they're like, I guess that's all they know what to expect from now on. But yeah, you know, if you're the, if you're the older guys uh, like myself, I'll classify myself as that. We uh, we remember, yeah, doing you know, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday practice, and then doing a beat test after all that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, it's come a while, but uh, that was the Friday, and then Saturday we had two practices. Uh, got after it right away. In the first first practice on Saturday, scrimmaging right away, see what everybody's got to bring to the table, um, which, which was great. You know, it really got the intensity ramped up for the entire weekend. Um, it was the message was guys are competing for jobs, you know, so you're going up against, uh, up against anybody. So, uh, no need to make friends out there. Uh, and, uh, go get, go get what you were there for. So, uh, I thought we had a lot of great talent with uh, the young guys we brought in. Uh, I think we we drafted pretty smart. We drafted in areas that, uh, you know, that we probably, uh, need, need some more depth in. Uh, mm-hmm. So that really, that really, you know, made made those spots competitive and pushed pushed the veteran guys to uh, not be too comfortable. You talk about the rookies coming in and and being ready to go right off the start, and we're seeing that more and more every year with these groups of rookie class that are coming in. They're just that much better athletes than say ten, even five years ago of guys coming into league. How does that make camp more pressure packed? Because these kids are a lot hungrier than ever before. Oh, a hundred percent, man. Like, uh, you see more and more coming out of NCAA programs, right? Mm-hmm. Just, just with the science of, you know, just condition, strength and conditioning training, uh, at these programs, you know, getting to higher levels. So these kids aren't coming in, you know, at 175 pounds, you know, out of junior A, uh, anymore that uh, you're waiting for them to grow into their bodies. They're, they're coming in, you know, at, you know, whatever, 200 pounds, uh, doing, you know, benching, cleaning, uh, squat and all that stuff. Yeah. And at the same time, because at NCAA, they got a year or two of senior A under their belts as well. So, you know, you, you've probably seen them a couple of times. We had Holden Catoni out there. The guys played in the Man Cup, played in the Ontario Finals against uh, some of the best players that you're going to see in the NLL. So the rookies are walking in with uh, with poise uh, that, that, we, that we haven't seen before. So I think that, uh, yeah, so that'll push the veteran guys in. You know, it makes expectations maybe a little bit higher uh, for the rookies themselves as well. Obviously, your head coach, Kurt Miloski, is a very passionate and fiery guy. Was he in uh, mid-season form right off the hop? Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, didn't didn't feel like we missed a practice all year, you know. So he holds us really, he holds our accountability to the highest level. Yeah. If, uh, you know, he blows a whistle, we're walking to the water bottles after the end of the drill, we're on the end line. You know, <laughs> there's no walking on the floor. It's jogging everywhere. Uh, if you're talking during a drill, if you're, you know, you're not set up in the right place, you're on the end line. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, that's, that creates game type scenario stuff. You know what I mean? If you're ever out there on the floor and you're not focused or you're running or doing something, you're going to have to end up running at some point in time to make up for that mistake anyway. So, uh, that was, uh, that was clear in the first practice and, uh, he, he carried, uh, that carried suit for the, uh, for the other two practices, uh, the rest of the weekend. So. I don't expect him to change his stripes anytime soon. <laughs> not, not at all. Uh, the last couple of years, you guys have had the defense run by Brucey Codd. Uh, he's now gone to Toronto, uh, and Mouse brings in Rob Sato Williams uh, to run the D. How does he? How is he taken to 
his first NLL camp as a coach, and how do you guys respond to him as the new guy running the back end? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, Bruce is going to be dearly missed. He's he was around. Uh, he was playing my first year, so I, I mean, yeah. I, I've never known uh, a roughneck team without Brucey Cod. So obviously, those are some big shoes to fill. I think he's uh, uh, one of the best up and coming uh, coaches in the game right now. So, uh, but but it was my first time uh, shaking hands with uh, with Rob, uh, other than after a game uh, <laughs> yeah. either in Victoria or Maple Ridge. So. It was a little bit better scenario, and uh, you know I've heard I've heard nothing but good things about Rob, and uh, I think that uh, that showed this weekend. He's uh, I always heard you know he's a players coach. Guys love battling for him, uh, and I think that was uh, that was true upon meeting him. Um, he's doing some learning as well with our systems, uh, so Mouse was helping him along the way in practice here in the first uh, first couple practices, and then uh, he was uh, taking the reins by by the end of it, and uh, you know uh, he's. He does a great job of keeping it kind of like an open forum. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we got a lot of good veterans back there, guys that have played the Calgary system for uh, close to 10 years with the Carnegie brothers themselves there, Curtis Manning, the likes of those kind of guys. So uh, there's a lot of IQ back there. So uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's a pretty good forum to, to you know bounce ideas around and uh, and uh, come up with good solutions. So uh, I like I, I like what he's bringing to the table, the mentality and just the uh, the type of energy that uh, we're going to have for the season. Obviously, everybody's goal to coming into a new year is to win the Champions Cup and be the last team stand. You guys have been sort of right at the precipice of being that team that can get there, obviously losing to Saskatchewan and Edmonton in the past couple semifinals. What's it going to take for this team to, to get over that hump, and what's the mindset coming into camp to, to make sure you guys get there all the way to the end? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, the rush is, uh, they got the target on their back. They've set the bar the last couple of years. So that's, uh, that's who everybody's striving to beat. And, uh, lucky for us, I mean, we get to, uh, we get to test ourselves against them, uh, early on. And then, uh, what, probably four more times throughout the year, I think it mm-hmm. is. So, uh, it's good to, to get matched up against them. But, uh, obviously, a, a couple of big changes you're going to see is uh, we lost Mike Poole in the nest, but, uh, yeah. Which is which is never easy to uh, to replace a guy like that on the floor or even in the locker room. Uh, we saw that with him winning you know the teammate of the year awards for the entire league this season. So that speaks to what he brings to the table on and off the floor. But uh, Frankie Skilly and I mean you you saw what he did in the in the summer ball man. He was put put mm-hmm. a Maple Ridge team on his back and uh, that was some of the best lacrosse I ever seen him play in that Man Cup in the WLA finals there. So. Um, and it showed it showed in camp this weekend, so I'm excited to see what he's got to bring to the table. And then we got uh, Del Bianco there uh, backing him up through uh, had probably one of the more impressive uh, outings a goalie can have there in the Minto Cup. So uh, I mean, I really like what we have there uh, offensively. You know, we're bringing over Riley Lowen, uh, and uh, and then um, on the left side, and he brings a lot of grit, man. Mm-hmm. He's crashing and banging and. Uh, I mean, I was seeing that firsthand from uh, some of the you know, five-on-five, uh, two-on-two stuff that we were doing. He does a lot, a lot of dirty work on the inside that doesn't get a lot of credit, and I think that's uh, something that our team needs. Uh, and then as well, even the young guys that we had last year, I think uh, just the experience level that they got from, uh, from yeah. the year before in the summer ball, I feel like you know we might have not had a lot of big additions that some other teams will have, but we got a lot of guys that are you know getting into their their prime age and. Uh, Seems like it's just it's going to be some good timing, and the message from the coaching staff was just giving that extra five percent. We had so many one goal games last year. Yeah, I think that's been your thing, though. 
<laughs> that's that's been your guys' thing in the past couple of years is these these one goal games and and it just if you take the one goal games you guys have lost in the past few years you, you guys are like a four win better season every year what's it going to take for you guys to really find the mustard to make those one one goal games go in your favor yeah most definitely uh i, I mean it starts it starts in the gym we got a new strength and conditioning coach um jamie coming in he's He's the Alpine, uh, Team Canada Alpine uh, strength and conditioning nice. coach. He's done uh, Rugby Canada for, for the or women's rugby team. Uh, so he's, you know, one of the best talents uh, in the country at his job. Uh, and he's been putting us on a program the last couple of months. And, and uh, he's really taken the time to put us, through, put us through the ringer at the start of every practice. So I think that's where it starts there. Um, and then, you know, the poise and the experience that some of the younger guys uh, got from uh, you know last year's uh, regular season and playoff push, their summer seasons. You know guys like Tyson Bell had an unbelievable summer. Wesley Berg, mm-hmm. you know really stepping up with the Oakville Rock this summer. Just mm-hmm. big bigger expectations. And then the coaches, coaching staff, the message they were saying is just giving that extra five percent. You know from from everything. You know from in the gym, from practice, and, and then going into the games. You know if you can really bear down and just and focus in that a little extra and give that a little extra bit more. You know that's gonna that's gonna turn the tables on on some of those results that we were seeing in those one goal losses. Everybody likes to point at things as locker room material or fire in the belly. Uh, you were rated number five in the Islander top fifty. Westberg was number forty seven. Uh, John Harnett forty three. Dane Doby was number thirty nine. Is this something that you guys pay attention to and think you guys should be higher, or is it just uh, us media types spewing off of the hip? <laughs> I mean, I don't. It might get a couple of chirps thrown in, in or out there within the locker room, but uh, I mean, uh, personally speaking, I mean, yeah, you know, you like to use anything as a little bit of fire, extra motivation. Uh, I think anybody that plays the game sh- should be striving, you know, to be number one, whether you're an O guy or a D guy, whatever it is. Uh, if you're still playing, you want to have that competitive edge. So I think that's how I see it. But uh, I don't. It's not anything that we're, uh, you know having to uh, console anybody about in the locker room, if that's, if that's what you're asking. But, uh, yeah. For good fun. Absolutely. I mentioned uh, this last week, and this will be the last thing we say, talk about before we go, uh, you and a couple of the Oakville boys and some of the Toronto guys were out at Survivor Series the other weekend. Uh, you guys had second row seats. You were in the box. You got to see the whole WWE experience. And you said to me that uh, you've got the fever again. How incredible was that experience? to be up close and personal in a live WWE event? I, you know what? We were, we were taking the train down and then we were, you know, we weren't really knowing what to expect. Uh, obviously, uh, Steve Fryer, I think was one of the bigger fans. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we were looking to him, you know, to kind of be our, our inside guy and fill us in on some of the storylines. But once you got in there, you know, the, the atmosphere, the energy in there, it was so electric. It was so contagious that you couldn't help but get involved in it. And uh, I went to a Monday Night Raw, I think when I was like 13 years old, for like a birthday party, and yeah. I was right back to, to that age. <laughs> yeah. when, when we were in there, I had to buy the, you know, the replica belt uh, and get into it. <laughs> sit, sitting right beside Goldberg's family, you know, getting oh, the no going and everything. So uh, it, was a, it was a heck of an experience, man. It was pretty special. Um, and it, it, was a, it was a lot of fun, so... Uh, I don't blame you for following along in that stuff, and uh, it's definitely been on the the PVR maybe a couple of times. Uh, do you have a Do you have a favorite wrestler? Do you have a Do you have a favorite wrestler or like an old school guy that you were always a big fan of? Uh, 
Well, like we're watching Goldberg, and like who wasn't a Goldberg fan growing up? Like, yeah, no just remembering the playground back in like elementary school, everybody was chucking spears around to each other back in the day. <laughs> yeah, so, like, everybody's had a timeout or a suspension or two from throwing one of those. Things. <laughs> when he when he comes when he came walking down the runway, uh, instant Goldberg fan. I, I bought a T-shirt as well, so it was awesome. Team Goldberg all the way. Well, man, uh, I'm sure it'll be a few spears and jackhammers and all those somewhere along the road in the in the NLL this year if the refs don't catch it. But it's always a good time catching up with you, Danny. Uh, uh, best of luck this year, and I'm sure we'll see you in the road soon. Likewise, Teddy. It's a pleasure, man. Thanks again. There is Dan McCray, Calgary Roughnecks defender, um, former diehard wrestling guy, freshly reminted wrestling guy, and. Those guys had an absolute blast, and I was completely jealous. I went on about this last week. And if there was ever a time for the WWE and NLL to join forces like Voltron, I'd love to see it right now. Um, The connection between lacrosse guys and wrestling may not be as predominant as, say, lacrosse guys and the National Hockey League or National Hockey League players and lacrosse. But there are some connections. And one day we will see, you know, on Monday Night Raw, Michael Cole will pan the camera and you'll say, and look who's here. It's members of the Colorado Mammoth Lacrosse team. And it'll be Junior and Greer and Callum Crawford and Dylan Ward and Noble and Govett will be there looking like Bill Goldberg. It'd be awesome be awesome I could come out to Pyro's have my face painted and get body slammed in the ring be a lifelong kid dream man telling you Uh, thanks to Dan McCray for stopping by just uh, what a great guy always a great interview loves to laugh and have fun and you can see that when he plays you know he's got a bit of a scowl and the mean look on his face but when he gives that smile between that cage it's you know what's up and Dan McCray is uh, one of the good guys in lacrosse, uh, one of the members of the IL Indoor slash Inside Lacrosse NLL Top 50. And I'm just going to say that we're getting a lot of heat for that post uh, and the posts that we're making. And which kind of adds to the beauty of it. Because how it all went down is that it was it's Steven Stamp, myself, Marty O'Neill, and Bob Chavez. And we all were asked to rank our top 50 players in whatever order we wanted. And then I believe it was Stamper went and looked at the list and compiled the numbers 1 through 50 to create a new list, a master list as it were. And we got heat from uh, Calgary Roughneck players like within the first few days when um, Garrett McIntosh wasn't rated higher than Brett Manny. Um, We got heat from Colin Doyle uh, for having Brody Merrill so deep down the list. And he said, uh, whoever's doing this ranking obviously didn't watch the Man Cup. Um, That's not true because I watched it and... Brody's still one of my favorite players. But the thing is, is that to pick 50 players isn't easy. And I challenge you to don't worry about what our list looks like. Just forget about what we've ranked 1 through 50. 
but go and rank your top 50 players and send them to me, and I want to compare it to my list. Because everybody's list is going to be different. You know, some guys might have had Brody in the top 20. Some guys might have had Junior in the top 25, top 15. But look at the talent that's in the league right now. And just base it on right now. Who are the top 50 players in the game right now? It's not of all time that are still playing. It's right now. Who are the top 50 players? You could make an argument that John Grant Jr. wasn't one of the top 25 players last year. You could make an easy comment that he's maybe one of the top 15 for what he did. And there's going to be guys that weren't on the list that you think should have been on the list. There was guys on my list that didn't make the list at all. And we're going to have those guys in a post a little bit later. We're going to basically have the snubbed list. And I think it's four different players that weren't on the list, and we all had to give our reasons why we felt that player should have been on the list. So I love the heat. That means not only are people paying attention somewhat, they're reading it, they're looking at it, but it's because everybody has their own opinion. And I may not agree with the final rankings. You may not agree. Even Stamper, who's doing all the tabulations, may not agree. But just the way it is. So... um, Inside the cross, NLL Top 50, we're basically announcing a player day all the way up until the regular season begins on the 29th. And you'll just have to wait and see. But please, honestly, 1 through 50, rank them. Forwards, defenders, transition players, goaltenders, they all count. Not starting this year. So of the 2016 season, the top 50 players in the National Lacrosse League. Email them to me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. I would love to see your list. I would. Because it's not easy. And then once you, like, basically here's what I did. Is I just went through and I just thought about who I thought were the best players in the league. And then as I'm going through, I'm starting to look at rosters and looking at names. I'm like, okay, yeah, this guy should be on there. I'm like, okay, wait. If I put that guy on there, is he better than this guy? But if he's better than this guy, does he go better than that guy. And it's not as easy as it looks. And then you're like, oh, crap, how did I forget this guy? And then you have to put him on your list. And then it's like, okay, is that guy really the 45th best player in the National Lacrosse League? Because guys can jump like 10 spots in those things. Maybe not saying like the top 20, but 35 through 50, that bottom 15, those are the tough ones to pick. So, please, try it. Name your top 50 in the NLL today and send your list to me. I'd love to see it. Um, speaking of checking things out, uh, we do this quite frequently. Uh, we're going to be doing it more and more. Uh, we're going to take a look at the NLL transactions and see who the movers and shakers are in this week's Pop and Drops. We already mentioned one of the pop and drops and maybe kind of the most notable Paul Rabel of the Toronto Rock placed on the protected player list. Uh, the Calgary Roughnecks signed Curtis Manning to a one-year deal. So the doctor will be in the house for another season in Calgary. The Vancouver Stealth made some moves. They placed Corey Conway 
on the injured reserve list first level. Obviously, we talked about it last year. Um, he has a separated shoulder. Um, waiting to find further details about that, but that's where we are. And I was told six to eight weeks, so we'll just have to keep an eye on Corey Conway's progress. They also signed Brandon Murphy and Tyrell Hammer-Jackson to one-year deals. Uh, Hammer-Jackson was a standout at their invitation camp two weekends ago. They didn't bring him back for the first main camp because they wanted to look at a few others because you're only allowed to have a certain number of guys in camp. So now that they have released a few guys, they have some more roster spots. So Murphy and Hammer-Jackson get one-year deals and when I talked to Doug Locker, he was thoroughly impressed with Hammer Jackson, saying he's a guy that can take draws, he's a gritty player, can play both ways, and they really liked what he brought and will be definitely pushing for one of those spots on that roster, especially as a face-off guy now that Mitch McMichael's no longer there. Saskatchewan signed Regan Harding to a one-year deal. He's a, Scat- uh, a Saskatchewan boy, so uh, great news for Regan Harding. He's from the area, and having a local guy on their roster that's played some high-level across is huge for them. Uh, the Rochester Nighthawks released Chris Shevins from their active roster, and they signed Hudnyarngwa Abrams uh, to a one-year deal in the active roster, so he has moved up to the big time. And then the Calgary Roughnecks have placed Vaughn Harris on the pup list, which is the physically unable to perform list. So he will not be working in camp this week for the Calgary Roughnecks. He won't be playing in Vancouver, but um, we will see some fresh bodies at preseason games, both in Ontario and in BC, as we get that much closer to the regular season. And that was this week's edition of the Poppin' Drops. One final piece of noteworthy news to pass along your way before we get you out of here uh, for another week. The WLA has a new commissioner. And, hmm, how do I say this? I'm not surprised they went in this direction. I'm actually surprised it went this quickly. Um, I don't know the number of applicants that uh, applied for the position. Um, I'm sure there were a few. I'm sure there were some people who were recommended to the Board of Governors to look at. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe nobody applied. Maybe nobody wanted the job and nobody was recommended. And they just begged and pleaded. I don't think that is the case. Um, I'm sure that of all the people that were applicants, they did their due diligence. Um, They talked to as many people as they could. They checked references and backgrounds. But at the end of the day... The person that they chose, he doesn't need any vetting. He doesn't need his sources checked, his references checked. They don't need to look at his resume. They just have to look him in the eye, shake his hand, and say, yes, sir, you have the job. Paul Del Monte is the new WLA commissioner, and I couldn't be more ecstatic for this decision. Uh, There are a couple reasons why I like this move. And there are two pretty big reasons. Um, He hasn't been involved. One, he hasn't been involved in the process of the WLA. He hasn't been involved in backroom meetings. He hasn't been involved in, um, you know, the general day-to-day life of being within the league. He's been at a distance doing so many other incredible things in the lower mainland that... His mind hasn't been, you know, molded one way or the other. He's coming in with a fresh slate. He's clean. 
The other reason is he doesn't have any real political ties to any of the teams. Sure, he was the coach of one of the greatest dynasties we've ever seen in junior lacrosse, the Bernie B. Lakers, in the 90s and early 2000s. That's why I don't like him. But that's a lacrosse thing. I love Paul Del Monte. I, I said I don't like him because I was part of the teams that he was beating up year after year after year going to Minto's and us Shamrocks just looking over across the water and thinking, why can't it be us? But Paul Del Monte is a great hire because he truly does have vision. And he has been in the business, business sector in the lower mainland and the sports family long enough to know what works and know what doesn't and understand that what we've been doing, and this is something Nick Sakevich has said with the National Cross League, what we've been doing in the past hasn't been good enough to get us to where we need to be in the future. I don't know um, what Paul's goals are going to be. I don't know if he's going to have a pillar system like Nick Sakevich. I don't think that's the way he's going to go. I don't know. I Paul's not much of a Twitter guy. Um, so I don't know how much social media stuff he's going to do. And truly, I don't think he needs to be on Twitter. I don't think he needs to be, you know, reacting and interacting with fans as much as people want. I think he needs to get in the office, understand the lay of the land, and run his ship the way he wants it to be run. And this is what I said a couple weeks ago. If whoever this new commissioner is, now it's Paul Del Monte, if he can come in and run it his way and not be pulled in five different directions by this faction of Board of Governors and GMs and pulled a different direction by this faction of Board of Governors and GMs, if he can just say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be a puppet. I am going to be the be-all, end-all, say-all of this league. That's what I've been put here to do. That is my job. I will listen to your comments, concerns, criticisms, wants, and desires. Absolutely. But I'm not going to be bullied, and I'm not going to be forced to make a decision that you know favors five teams and hurts two or works in the benefit of six teams and hurts one. If Paul Del Monte can come in and be a true commissioner and be the guy at the very top of the chain, who makes all the decisions, makes all the rulings, advises people the way he wants, can put people in positions where he wants them to be to run this correctly and smoothly and properly, then he will have all the success he deserves and can bring. And I think it can only benefit the WLA because there is too much infighting within the WLA. There is a power struggle, a massive, massive power struggle in the WLA. And it's hurting the league. For a long time, it was everybody against Victoria. Last year, you saw it. It was everybody against Maple Ridge. In years past, it's been everybody against New West or against Coquitlam or against Langley or whoever it's going to be. Whoever the team that is sort of dominating and you know showing force and supremacy, everybody wants to bring them down somehow. It can't be that way anymore. So I wish Paul Del Monte the best of luck. And I know he will come in and do this job with pride and with a purpose and with a workman and business businessman-like mentality. 
because that's the way he ran his lacrosse teams. That's why Burnaby, one of the reasons why Burnaby was so successful in that decade of dominance. So I congratulate the WLA Board of Governors for hiring somebody that will actually do well in this position. They didn't panic. They didn't force anybody's hand. They didn't put somebody into the position that wasn't ready, willing, or able. And I said it when the news came out. I was thoroughly ecstatic about this this decision, and I couldn't be happier for the direction of the WLA. And it's, honestly, that's not something I've been able to say in a few years. Now, the big question is, what does the MLS do? Sorry, MSL do. Who do they appoint as commissioner? Because that's another league that has tons of power struggle and a lot of issues. However, that is a story for another day. So uh, congratulations to Paul Del Monte on being named the new WLA commissioner. I'm sure he's going to take his time before he kind of hits the ground running, but I'm sure we can all welcome him to the fold. That'll do it for another edition here of the Off the Crossbar podcast. Thank you to Jamie Dowick. Thank you to Dan McRae. Um, get out and enjoy some preseason action this weekend, folks. Uh, like I said, I'll be at the LEC Fieldhouse in Vancouver this weekend, so if you see me, come up, say hi, introduce yourself. Um, I'm always up for high fives and hugs. It's kind of what I do. Um, but uh, get out there. Go see what your team's got to offer. And don't forget, your homework for this week. Send me your top 50 players in the National Lacrosse League because I will be grading them. And I'm not going to say I'm going to mock anybody, but we might have some fun with that. All right? Cool, cool, cool. Uh, that'll do it. Uh, let me get you out of here. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, and you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. A month away from regular season action. It's almost like it's Christmas. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other.